uh, had to be taken with an even greater grain of salt. So it is really, really difficult for anyone to estimate. I mean, uh, obviously, we all hope for a Ukrainian victory. And I, I think from uh, from all the information that's available currently, that seems very likely. But uh, it is also... Uh, it should be said that there there will be some hard fighting still ahead, and uh, if if there is uh, due to logistical and uh, other reasons, if there is some sort of a Russian uh, military collapse of some sort, uh, there there are various estimates as to when something like that could occur. But the one thing we do know is that. Uh, uh, based on all the information we have at hand, the the Russian offensives that are ongoing currently should be the last leg that they can do offensive operations based on the kind of information that we're receiving from the ground and uh, estimates of uh, what kind of force and equipment they still have. But uh, beyond that, it's, it's really hard to estimate uh, any sort of time timetable for for a Ukrainian victory, because uh, like I said, there is simply too much that we don't know. So uh, to the time frame that you suggested, um, I, I'm sorry, but I, I, I can't really comment on uh, whether or not how, how, how correct that is. I, I hope that uh, satisfies. Yeah, right, sure. right. Um, I could also add a bit of things. So um, as you can see, after almost three months of war, right? So it's a third month right now. Uh, we can see that some of the war is actually shifting to Russia's territory. So we can see that um, either it's, uh, you know, kind of the Ukrainian forces are doing those attacks, or there are some forces inside Russia that actually unhappy what's going on. And uh, we can see that those kind of fires that is happening in the forest, or we can see that the oil petrol stations burning uh, considerably, um, it tells us that basically the resistance is only growing. And that's what probably will speed up the end of the war. Um, the next thing, and I think what is crucial date, and everyone is expecting the date, is actually 9th of May. And the reason for that is because we, you know, as far as we know, Putin is obsessed with dates, and he wants to be a second Stalin in this sense. Um, he wants to show some sort of parade on the 9th of May. And uh, for the parade to occur, of course, you have to have a certain type of victory. Um, that, of course, doesn't mean that Ukraine will accept this victory and will not resist further, but that's, this will kind of give us the rough estimate whether the Russians want to continue the war or they want to kind of stop. Uh, by some official, uh, you know, kind of information that we have, uh, the Russians kind of, uh, when they were expecting this war to occur, even with taking Kiev, they were expecting the war to continue until September. So assume some of the reserves that they have, they are until uh, September of this year. Um, but yes, as I, as I mentioned previously, let's see what's going to occur on the 9th of May and consequently on 10th of May. And that's going to give us a rough estimate how long this war will continue. Thank you. Um, anyone else wants to speak? Right. I uh, totally agree with, uh, with your analysis. Um, and uh, especially... Um, considering that political decisions always look into the future and uh, Putin wants to reach at least some goals. He said, uh, he said uh, at the start of the invasion, 
I I, I believe he will he will uh, set new goals or um, or set a political uh, future for his uh, for his goals. And uh, I mean, um, given that nothing is moving for the Russians in Ukraine, he he is he's gonna have to take some decisions. Yeah, and not really, the, not really much, uh, militarily, but uh, at least politically. Yes, yes, and the the one thing that we we can uh, estimate with a with a certain amount of uh, probability is that the Russian offensive capabilities will continue to degrade, whereas the Ukrainian uh, abilities for offensive uh, operations will increase. So that's right. definitely a good sign. Right. Just looking at at the uh, um, at the Congress uh, and USA, I mean, thirty three billions. That's that's enough to uh, to supply Ukraine uh, until the end of the year. That's and and Russia. I mean, they're being sanctioned and they don't have the same cap- capabilities to um, yeah to supply their own troops, even though they have local advantage. I mean, uh, yeah. Just to, you know, kind of highlight one of the things is that we shouldn't forget that, you know, Germany and other European countries, and as well as European countries, they still continue to buy Russian oil, which essentially fuels this war. So even though they're under sanctions, unfortunately, you know, um, the gas and oil is still being supplied. So even though the budget is reduced due to the price changes with the oil and with the gas, um, at the moment, they feel very comfortable in this sense. Um, yes, Louis, and then peace for Ukraine. Hi, good morning again. I'm uh, sitting outside. I, I hope that the noise uh, don't disturb you. Uh, sorry for my English, but uh, I, I can read a lot better and uh, write a lot better than speak. Uh, I'm a Portuguese living in, uh, in Germany since um, 32 years. And um, I wanted to point a few things out that um, have come to my mind and, and that I see uh, all day. Uh, the one point that uh, I think Vishnia was uh, talking about is the um, about Russians uh, uh, in other countries that follow the same narrative uh, that Putin has put out there, uh, the same propaganda. And I definitely can say yes to that because uh, uh, here in Germany, uh, I know a lot of Russians um, that say the same thing. Um, not exactly maybe the same thing, but they uh, say, yes, war is bad, but uh, Ukrainians uh, have the same fault because there are a lot of Nazis inside. So um, here in Germany at the beginning, uh, the media tried to uh, not uh, condemn all Russians uh, because of this war and say that this is only Putin's war. Uh, but now I, I have to admit that um, it's a, a really a, a big part of Russians, also in other countries, that accept this war and, uh, uh, yeah, uh, support it. Um, my wife uh, works at a uh, nurse uh, where she had uh, the last two years uh, a really 
lots a lot of work because of COVID and um, because of uh, personal shortage here in Germany and uh, medical uh, uh, um, uh, offices. Uh, they have a lot of uh, uh, Ukrainians, Russians, and uh, other uh, countries uh, as nurses too. And uh, especially the Russian nurses, um, they, uh, like I just said, they accept the war and they give Ukraine a lot of uh, guilt for, for the start of the war. That's why... Uh, I have to say again, it's not only Putin's war, it's a lot of Russians' war. And that's uh, what makes me afraid uh, afraid of. Um, yeah, the, the other point that I would like to discuss with you, um, by the way, it's my first time here. Uh, I'm only here because uh, of someone that uh, I was voting uh, early this morning. And that's so easier, so I, I also came here. Um, the other point that, that I would uh, like to discuss with you is uh, what Lavrov uh, said uh, in the past days regarding um, uh, Zelensky being Jewish and Hitler was also Jewish and uh, that kind of, of bullshit. Um, I, have, I have a theory that this, what he said, is a very... Uh, um, uh, it's it's a chess move to appease Arabian countries because, as I followed two or three weeks uh, uh, earlier, um, Russia was in uh, relations with Arabian countries because uh, they have to get the money that they are losing now through the sanctions um, from other sides, and uh, they started to talk to Qatar. Um, uh, I don't know it in uh, in English. Um, Arabian Emirates, uh, something like that. And uh, I think when he says something that, uh, sorry, pisses off Israel, is uh, appeasing the Arabian countries, so that maybe um, there is a possibility to get some money that they are losing to the through the sanctions from from their side. Um, what do you think about that? And um, yeah, yesterday I, I, I've, I've um, read that uh, that um, the storm on Azovstal has begun. Uh, so uh, I think th it's simply uh, um, the motive that he needs something to present on, on the 9th, 9th of May. Um, and uh, at least he must say uh, Mariupol or Azovstal or the battalion Azov has been defeated and that will be his victory on the 9th of May. Um, do you do you see that also that way? Thank you. Okay, so just to respond to a few things. Um, so the first one you were asking specifically Lavrov, whether he pisses off you know, Israeli forces and so on. Uh, well, we we do not know, but we know that Saudis are some, somehow aligning with Russians in this sense. So uh, when European Union was asking whether it's possible to receive, um, you know, kind of supplies from there, or whether it's possible to decrease the price of oil by, you know, increasing the demand, um, increasing the supply on the market, Saudis said no. 
And basically, um, Russians, whenever the, the Americans try to speak to Saudis, they always try to, you know, kind of uh, to kind of stop those negotiations and, um, you know, kind of not allow basically the forces to unite in the sense and to increase the supply, which result will decrease uh, the, you know, the price that is um, that is currently on the market. Uh, and that is quite crucial. So Russians are playing quite heavily on this side. But um, I don't know, I, I wouldn't say that they're doing specifically just to piss off, you know, Israelis to play on the Saudi's side. I think Lavrov is just doing stupid mistakes as he had reportedly done before. So if you remember how he publicly uh, stated, uh, stated that the journalists are fools and everything, I think he's just in the sense thug. And uh, unfortunately, when he does those type of statements, it's due to his poor knowledge, I would say, rather than trying to play um, some sort of vault arena, um, you know, some sort of other type of things. And the second thing, um, the second question that you said regarding Night of May, could you just repeat that, dude, please? Uh, yes, I, I think uh, the fact that the storm on, of Azov started yesterday uh, is because they need a victory for the 9th of May. They need to at least present Mariupol or the defeat of the Azov battalion as a victory. Um, and that's why they started yesterday. So they have enough time till the 9th of May to, to defeat Azov. So um, regarding that, yes, we know that basically Russians are preparing the parade. And uh, there are some multiple reports about the Russians preparing the parade on the bones of those Ukrainian people buried there. Um, but I think what we should remember is that they managed to release some of the forces that were sieging Mariupol for quite a while now. So um, some of the forces, they went back to, you know, to join the, um, you know, the forces, the Russian forces basically on the east of Ukraine and some of them on the south. Um, whereas this little bit of group that is left near Mariupol, um, they just, they will probably and essentially try to get to Azovstal. The problem is the reports that we're hearing right now, the Mariupol Ukrainian forces, they are fighting very hard and so on. But for example, yesterday I've heard quite a lot of Ukrainians died, unfortunately, and we hear those, you know, we have a, a certain type of jet lag. So we hear about the Ukrainian deaths that are happening in Mariupol, a bit with the delay as well. So we don't really know how many of the Ukrainians are still in Azov style. But, you know, kind of Ukraine government is doing everything what they can to get the, you know, the citizens out of there and so on. And I think, yes, of course, uh, for 9th of May parade, they will include Mariupol as their own victory. They will try to claim that, you know, Kherson is under the, uh, you know, kind of not occupation, but they liberated Kherson. And they will try to do the referendum because we've seen multiple reports them trying to organize those referendums. We've seen multiple reports they're trying to put the you know pro-Russian or Russian even uh, people in those areas. So assume there's going to be a whole you know kind of um, like a little candy presented to the Russian nation of in this case on the 9th of May. Thank you. Um, Peace of Ukraine. Hi, hello, and bon dia, Luis. Tudo bem. Sorry, sorry for the Portuguese interlude. <laughs> um, um, and I must say, Luis, if today's your first day here, I only started to, I also by 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 chance, by very 
very much chance I, I discovered uh, this space and stick around and, and come back as much as you can and spread it because it's wonderful. It's extremely informative and there's a sensitivity and, and, um, and, and the level of information and of discussion that is outstanding. And there's also a, an extremely positive, um, attitude and also, um, being correct, being polite, being educated and being sensitive is extremely important. And there's a lot of good values among this group that I, I really appreciate and love. So that's my, my, my very first recommendation. Come back, spread, share. Thank you. Um, also have a look, uh, to, to that, that is sitting on, on the nest, Maria Aid. Uh, it's what the work they are doing on the ground because they have boots on the ground. They, they are, um, bringing uh, important support, essential support to the soldiers, to the front lines. It's very important. So, Whatever you, your friends, uh, can, can contribute, even just by retweeting or sharing that information. Uh, um, these are lovely people, uh, we, and they are doing lovely things for our beautiful sisters and brothers from Ukraine that, that deserve nothing less than our support and our good faith. So that was, that's really my recommendation. And if I, I, if I'm being too long, please allow my please uh, kick me out, um, Mikola, um, and for uh, the other people. We are talking about the 9th of May, and I would like to sort of re re repeat a bit sort of my suggestion that I brought yesterday, which was we we know that uh, for Putin the sort of significance or mystic about the 9th of May is very important to him. We don't care; it's his own date. Uh, let him have it. Uh, for us um, here uh, in Europe, 9th of May represents Europe's day. So my suggestion yesterday, sort of my idea, is that. We start sending out some um, some some tweets about 9th of May, um, and that uh, we put out or print out the Ukrainian flag along with European flag because uh, no doubt I have no doubts that uh, Ukraine will become part uh, of EU. For me, they are they are already personally they are already part of EU. It's not signed, but it will come. We'll stop this war. They'll 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 integrate and they will flourish, rebuild and flourish uh, with us. So the idea is that we sort of spread around in the <clears throat> in social media the idea that um, for 9th of May, which is Europe Day. And that we are happy about Europe Day and we are spread around the blue and yellow um, from Ukrainian flag, which is also the EU flag, same same shades. It's just a smidge darker, the EU flag. We spread around this this um, this wave and celebrating Europe Day uh, and we sort of break up the cycle of um paying too much attention about the symbolic and importance that P Putin gives. So let's focus on, it's, I'm not saying let's forget about the war because that is impossible, but let's focus on what brings us together 
as Europeans, as people, uh, as supporters as of the suffering of our uh, brothers and sisters uh, in Ukraine and out of Ukraine, which were forced to be um, to be displaced to to many countries, and those who have been abducted and forcibly de uh, deported. Let's not forget them. Let's remind them. Let's let's break around and spread around this uh, this sort of blue blue and yellow wave of positive for Europe Day that will be next Monday on 9th May. Um, which then I will come to my sort of second point. It's an earlier um, tweet from sequence uh, thread from uh, Mrs. Vanderlein, who also starts talking about. Um, uh, 9th of May, actually, and um, she's already uh, indicating, and I really liked um, her sequence of new package of sanctions, oil ban is included, phased, unfortunately, but is included and it traded. Um, and um, she's already, she repeated as behind on this sequence of tweets, uh, a recovery package for Ukraine. And I think it's something we already discussed here um, and uh, quite a few times. Um, Axel, who's a wonderful person and gives so much information. I've learned so much. I think I've learned more with Axel in, in this past week that I've discovered the site that I've learned in, in perhaps one year of um, simply reading on my own. Um, but um, there's, they're talking about a recovery package, and I think we discussed about uh, bonds um, for reconstruction of Ukraine. And personally, uh, I'm at about 50, 50 years old. I intend to pre-retire between 55 and 60, and I intend for sure to invest part of my savings um, into into Ukraine into the recovery package for sure that's that's granted and I'll put my money where my mouth is that's uh, that's a promise um, so I would love I would love perhaps if someone can pick up on um, what Mrs. Vanderlein is bringing to the table with her message because I think it's um, it's uh, it's very, it's important uh, she starts actually her her tweet from three hours ago where, where she says, soon we will celebrate Europe Day, a day to reflect on our union, but also on the future of the EU, which today is also written in Ukraine. And I'll stop now. Thank you. Thank you, Peace for Ukraine. Um, Jan, um, as you've talked before, I will invite you to talk a bit later. We have a new speaker called I Like, I like Wendy. So I Like Wendy, go ahead. And then Jan, you'll be up straight away after him. Uh, thank you, Mikola um, uh, and Axel. Um, I, I didn't have my hand up before Jan, so I'm very, very happy to, um, to go second. I don't want to jump the queue. That's absolutely fine. Um, Jan, go ahead. Well, it will fit uh, into um, into pieces. Although she's she seems to be gone now. Um, um, yeah, theme. Um, I mean, of course, 
of course, I, I also believe there's going to be a huge recovery package from the EU. I mean, just look at it uh, from this perspective of the COVID package. Um, there's been many billions flowing to Greece and uh, other nations that are recovering from COVID and now starting a new economic phase for themselves. I believe there's going to be huge package from from the EU. Um, but actually, my my thought was, and I'm sorry to break that uh, European peace um, theme. Um, I've been thinking about my main lines and what Putin might might deliver to yeah to all those um, who are still following in him and uh, asking themselves uh, what could be next and how long can this go on. Um, Actually, Lewis uh, brought up um, brought up Mariupol, and um, that might be a message for Maynard from for Putin, um, especially because um, Azov style is uh, being defended by kind of a nationalistic battalion, and that could be a political theme to defeat some nationalists in in Ukraine. And um, yeah, giving giving the fact that militarily it's not very um, fluent right now for 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 Putin. I mean, the front lines aren't moving anywhere. And um, yeah, given that, I I thought, uh, what could he deliver? Um, obviously, Kasson seems to be quote unquote liberated. He could uh, he could sell that as Kherson Oblast to his people and um, maybe therefore um, yeah, win Mariupol, Kherson, Donetsk and Luhansk for, for the Russians and uh, kind of stand back from there, not moving uh, or, or kind of defending their front lines and trying to um, sell that not only to his own people, but also to the international community. Yeah, I guess I guess that's my suggestions for, for Putin on May 9th. Thank you. Just to just to comment on that, I mean it's very it would be really hard to sell it to international community as everyone saw how people in Hassan are resisting to this. And everybody knows about Mariupol because it made to the first headlines for really like a week. Uh, in all major publications on the West. So it will be really hard to sell to the European community and, you know, American as well, that basically, you know, the, the, those liberated villages, you know, they're really liberated, right, or the cities. So um, that's definitely not going to help with, you know, for the international community and so on, and they will understand it straight away. And then basically for Russians, I assume, and actually what I hear from Russians themselves as well, of course, they will not accept this as a victory, right? Or even those villages or cities being liberated, because even to them, the realizations that you know started to come in to their heads that if the war continuing even on the land of Russia, so we've seen what is happening in you know um, on the borders, and we've seen the you know the the fires that are skewering and the petrol stations are burning and so on. That nobody is going to be happy with this outcome. It's, you know, the pro-Putin's Russians, they want, you know, they want Ukraine to cease to exist completely. 
So that's going to be the huge victory for them. Everything less is not, you know, is not acceptable. Uh, and for people who actually, who were, you know, who were in the middle, who didn't know because, you know, Russians still supported the annexation of Crimea in 2014. They just, they considered it to be clean. So no war was involved or anything. And that was a victory. For those people, they came to realization that finally, um, you know, what Putin is doing something wrong because the civilians are dying and everything. And there is a mass destruction. And um, and usually when we have the war, the war has to be in response to get some economic advantage. What economic advantage you're talking right now? Uh, you know, Mariupol is completely destroyed. The main production that was there completely destroyed. It's going to be really hard to sell it even to the, you know, to the Russians who are not brainwashed to their bone. So, um, you know, um, it's going to be interesting to see what's going to happen after the 9th of May, as I was saying before. So let's see that. Right, um, you're completely right. Yeah, I like Wendy. Go ahead. Uh, thanks. Or even Dobroden for our Ukrainian listeners. Uh, thank you, Mikola Axel Ferlein, for your um, constant uh, um, and engaging co-hosting. Um, I, uh, I, I, I share the sentiments of um, the previous speaker. Um, I think it was Peace for Ukraine. But I think it would be wrong to um, to for, for any country or 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 continent to take um, to claim any kind of ownership over May May the ninth. I think May the ninth should be Ukraine Day, um, and uh, and this is why I, through my work I, I I speak a lot to people in in Europe, and I've been very surprised by the scale the um the amount of disinformation the um you know the the attempts by by russia to influence uh, media in european countries um and i i've been amazed by the the prevalence of certain narratives um particularly concerning the the butcher massacre which is um in some I, I can't I can't say which um, uh, in a public space, but for some is 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 still questioned by um, certain people in certain European countries. Um, there is a divide in Europe um, with regards to Russian actions in Ukraine. And um, it's I think it's important to to remember that the solidarity that exists with Ukraine is worldwide. Um, Ukraine faces an existential crisis, and this is also an existential crisis for for many countries across the world due to the importance of Ukraine's exports. Um, And I think it would be much better if the international solidarity, which is, is, is there for Ukraine at the moment, was um it, it it was focused on you know of course the european union can help um that's going to be very important but um i think you know j- just to, to call may the 9th europe day would 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 be um would be ill advised um you know may the 9th should be ukraine day ukraine is fighting russian fascism um it, it it cannot it cannot be any clearer than this. Ukraine has been invaded 
um, by people who wish to exert military and uh, public control at the barrel of a gun over a democratic, peaceful people in a country which is very important um, with regards to feeding the world. And, you know, it requires it requires an international movement. Um, you know, we, we've already seen that in the, the very brave um, volunteers that are fighting for the Ukrainian for, Foreign Legion. Um, and I, I know I'm kind of repeating myself because I phoned up yesterday to say the same thing, but I think an international construction effort, um, you know, needs also to occur. And this should not, this should not, uh, you know, happen when the war finishes, whenever that is. Um, the, the, the dictator's regime in the Kremlin will, will die hard and it will probably take a long time to die. Um, we, uh, Ukraine will need consistent solidarity. Um, I don't think it needs, you know, gestures, um, of, uh, uh certain gestures concerning May, May the 9th, apart from just to say that this is, this is Ukraine's freedom day. Uh, Ukraine's day of freedom. Um, I think there will be many people during this war and post-war who, who are willing to go over to Ukraine and support the building, uh, rebuilding of it, whether that just be a single brick in a power station or um, a single joint welded to um, to repair a hospital. Um, you know, this this really is a, uh, a cause unlike... Um, any which has been seen in Europe since the Second World War, um, and uh, yeah, I think I think it requ I think a, a recognition of the international solidarity, as opposed to simply continental solidarity, is required. Um, and you know, if Ukraine wants to join the EU, that's that's great for them. But you know, there, there is there is a divide in Europe. We we, we can see that in Hungary which um, is operating basically as, as a Russian asset, um, uh, its leadership is at least. Um, it, you know, the, the power of international solidarity here cannot be understated. Um, the, uh, the willingness for people from all over the world to help this country, you know, regain its, um, its ability to feed countries outside of its own um, it, you know, it's it, think things things can happen quickly if people will them to. So I hope that happens. OK, thanks. Thank you for your comment. I actually found quite interesting um, a comment that was made by Ina Sofsun. She's a deputy head of a Golazmin party. And what she said is that if Hungary continues to block anti-Russian sanctions on energy, the EU must take a tough stance. It is possible to take away the right to vote in Hungary and stop Hungary's veto. This is only requires the approval of 26 EU countries. And that's going to be Article 7, if it's applied. Uh, Olinka, could you please turn off your speaker? Because, yeah, we can hear the sounds in the back. Yeah, I like Wendy. I like Wendy. Please continue. I just tried to. Thank you. I was just going to say that I mean the 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 words and the um the, the you know the diplomatic um words in this case are 
you know, are, are very well, but it doesn't prevent Hungary from blocking um, Antonov cargo flights from Hungarian airspace, um, you know, which loses precious minutes, which impacts on precious lives on the ground in Ukraine. Um, you know, there, there is a divide within European Union countries. That divide just needs to be steamrolled over by a wave, the, the wave of international solidarity which exists now and which can be used as a great force for good. Um, that's yeah, really all I have to have to say on that. Thanks for giving me the chance to speak. Thank you. And you can drop me down. Thanks. Slava Ukraini. Okay, Louis, and then Olinki. Oh. Hi. Um, I just wanted to, to say something that uh, I like Wendy just said about uh, solidarity uh, all over the world. Um, I, 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 I would like to tell you how is it going here in Germany because um, Germany is a difficult, um, I think you, you all know, a difficult partner since the war began. Um, it was from Scholz, promised a lot, but... Uh, uh, I think he didn't make uh, 90% of that uh, that uh, his words meant. Uh, that's why it's 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 a problem. But um, I saw in the beginning of of the war that uh, the majority of the people here in Germany were very supportive and were pushing Schultz to deliver weapons and heavy weapons. But um, I can see that. Um, as long as the war goes, uh, I mean, it's, uh, I think, six, 69 days today or 70 days, I don't know. But as long as the war goes, uh, the, the um, support is, is dropping because the people think here in Germany that um, uh, the support is dropping as a uh, nuclear propaganda in Russia uh, gets more tough. So, um, for the beginning of the war, I think over seventy percent of the people were in support of delivering delivering uh, heavy weapons. Um, last week we were at fifty five percent, and this week we are at forty four percent. So, I, I, I absolutely agree that there must be uh, more solidarity for for Ukraine. We must get quicker in delivering heavy weapons. But I think um, if the war uh, um, gets longer, um, the solidarity at uh, normal people will, will fall because they are more and more afraid that Putin could lose his head and then drop a nuclear bomb somewhere. Um, that's why... For my opinion, um, that's why I, I, I keep retweeting every day. I keep um, writing and, and uh, just um, uh, reporting to Twitter uh, some uh, Russian accounts that I see. We must do, um, uh, every person must do a little bit more. 
uh, that this war ends as soon as possible. And um, we keep the, the solidarity uh, all over the world um, as high as we can. We shouldn't forget one important thing, which is um, imagine if you're being um, a Russian and basically in Russia, and uh, if you're being sanctioned uh, by Western, you know, kind of uh, Western governments, um, that the only way how you can earn money right now is only benefiting from the Russian budget or, you know, being somehow aligned with the regime. So unfortunately, uh, for those people, the only way to get the money and to continue the fight is through the system that is or originally in Russia. So they uh, will try... Mikola. Yes. Uh, Walter just uh, sent me a DM, DM saying that they have put up uh, the uh, main space again, so we should all migrate there. Perfect. Amazing. Let's do that. Uh, yes. Thank you very much, everyone. Uh, thank so you. Wait there, wait there, Mikola. Mikola, wait there. Let me answer this question first, because I think this question needs to be answered before we migrate. So, okay, sure. Go ahead. Um, on, on, on the May the 9th thing, yeah, I think a lot of people need to to realise this is just a it's a fan it's a fantasy of Putin's, right? It's it's a parade that's taking place every year where he parades his his, his old junk, and and it's all it's it's like virtue signalling. It's all it's all for the the public of Russia to think that they are a supreme being, that they are a mighty power, a, a force to be reckoned with. Majority of the equipment that they have to that um, that they parade is all is just parade equipment. It gets pa painted every year, and it looks fancy, and it it doesn't do much. Some of the other stuff is getting used in Ukraine. I I've been listening, and I I said the same last night, and I don't know if anybody was on the space when I said it. I honestly believe that we need to to stop thinking about May the ninth as it being a, a big date where Putin is going to do something, whether it be announce a victory, um, somebody mentioned a nuclear war a minute ago. That's that's completely off the cards, right? There's no way Putin is ever going to draw for the N-bomb, right? There's no way he's going to go and draw for a nuclear bomb because it wipes out Russia as well. It causes, it, it causes just as many problems for them as it does for everybody else. And it's... it's I was just surprised at the, at the gentleman there that said, if this keeps going on, then people will start losing faith because put, they're worried about Putin starting a nuclear war. And I, and, and I really honestly just would, love, would like to counter that and, and, and let everybody know that is completely not the fact. And and there will, people, I can assure you, no, no government, there might be there might be people in in the public that are losing faith in in supporting Ukraine, but no public will ever lose lose faith. Olini, can you mute your mute your mic, please? No, no government will ever lose faith in Ukraine, or, or, or start stop supporting them. So with May the 9th, if there's going to be a victory on May the 9th, it'll be May the 9th, twenty fifty. At this rate, there is no way that in in one week's time that Russia can can, can dress this up. Alini, can you please mute your mic? Nicola, can you please move him down, please? Um, there's no way that, that this is going to be an announcement on May the 9th. This needs to be... Everybody needs to understand 
that if this is going, anything happens on May the 9th, it's going to be a reconstitution of troops there after the um, after the parade. There is no way they, they can they can dress this up as a victory for May the 9th. And it's I think we just need to realise that this at the moment is, is is going to drag out for the long run. Ukraine are getting the supplies that they need, they're getting all the equipment that they need, and soon the tables will turn. But for May the, for people to think that May the 9th will be a, a huge a, a drastic day in all this. I, 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 honestly, I hate to break it to you, but it's not. It's going to be a regular day. It's just going to be like any other day, May the 9th. Um, Nicola, please uh, let me yes. let me answer. Uh, uh, just secondly, uh, so I, I, I know, guys, you're all very passionate and I know you want to share the word. Please try to go to the new space that was, uh, you know, we're starting a new report, Walter Report. Um, I just shared it in, you know, in the until the other space is closed and the previous speakers are coming up on this space. So please have a little patience with us. It might be quiet, but we are all here. In the meantime, you can retweet this space if uh, you would. Uh, it's the blue button with the plus in the right lower corner. Uh, Please do that so we can get more people up here. So there's, we have Oshint here and Ancient and Louis Beck and Auntie is also here. Nice, we are getting them up here. Have a few moments, please. By the way, uh, Walter, I, I'm just. Uh, are you listening? Yes. Uh, I see that you have a domain, Maria8.org. Uh, I just wanted to make you the offer. If you need something, web space, domains, uh, anything you need in that segment, let me know. We are a web space company and I can give you everything for free. That is, that's a very generous uh, offer. Thank you very much. I, I also have a, a few domains that I uh, ordered at the beginning of the war because I was so shocked. Uh, maybe we can discuss that later. Um, maybe I can reroute the domains to, to your uh, own domain. Yeah, you can check your DM. I just DM the information. Okay, thank you. Now we have Maiko already again here as co-host, so we can go. We're good to go. Okay, we are probably, yes, we can continue doing what we were going. Oh, city, did you finish? Or you wanted to add something else? Uh, Just a second. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm more or less finished. All I wanted to say was that May the 9th, it's it's not going to be symbolic in any way, and and it's, I've just the past couple of days we seem to have a lot of people worrying about oh what may happen on May the ninth, what might happen on May the ninth, 
May the 9th. Honestly, nothing will happen on May the 9th. This is, it will be symbolic in Russia and that is it. There's, there's, at the moment, there is no victory that he can announce. There is no way that he can dress us up and tart this up as some kind of victory. There's, it's just not possible. So don't worry about May the 9th and, just, and don't worry about nuclear war. Now, I, I, just, I know we always, we always bring this up on the space and, I, and we always shoot it down. And I think it's rightfully shot down and put down in its place that nuclear war is not something that's on the table and it's not something that will ever be on the table. It's, it's a bit of saber-rattling scaremongering that's been mentioned by some people, but it will never happen. So we need to be, we need to be sure, we need to make sure everybody is aware that the, that the nuclear bomb, the nuclear war that everyone is so worried about is forgotten about because it's not going to happen. I, uh, I have seen a post uh, about uh, May 9th. It was uh, kind of funny. They uh, announced that uh, they would uh, hold a parade in, at 9th May in the Mariupol. Well, I thought by myself, if they would do that, that would be a very good target for the Ukrainian army. Okay, okay, okay. So let's let's go let's go for the order. So Lee, can you go ahead, um, then Johnny and Peace for Ukraine. Okay, uh, I just wanted to quick reply to to OSINT. I, I agree fully with you. I, I was the guy that mentioned the nuclear war. The problem that we have, and I see it in Germany as also in Portugal, the guys in our age. I, I mean, I'm 47. Uh, my wife is uh, 44. Um, the people in our age up 30s, they understand that there will be no nuclear war. But explain that to the older people that saw the Cold War that um, maybe uh, here in Germany, there's a lot of people that, that survived the Second World War. They, that's the most thing that are, they are afraid of, that Russia as a, a, a world power will lose its head and, and uh, just drop a nuclear bomb. You cannot explain uh, to that people that it will not happen, and we see it here in the numbers that the the um, the support of Ukraine for delivering that Germany delivers uh, heavy weapons has dropped ten percent in one week. So, uh, as louder the Kremlin gets on nuclear war war and bombs, um, the p people are afraid. We understand that, but older guys and newer guys, my kids are uh, sixteen. They don't understand what's really going on. Um, but you cannot explain that it will never happen because that's the main, the main uh, issue that they have that um, it might happen. No, no, I, I understand that. I understand that. And it is, it is obviously, it, it is a lot age-related. Certain age brackets have more fears than others, which is understandable, especially people that maybe survived through World War Two. They they know well, let's not get into that. They know what can happen. But I, I honestly believe that it, it needs to be there needs to be reassurance from the higher ups and everybody in every government, whether that be British government, German government, Portuguese government, French government, whatever. Their their higher ups need to come out and, and make their whole all their, their public aware and all, all the 
all, all their nations aware, this is not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And I, and I understand what you're saying. I do. I totally understand. But what we need is some sensible people to tell everybody it's not going to happen. So just, just one thing. Let, let me just add one thing uh, and uh, I'm finished. Uh, the problem here, especially in Germany, is when Scholz gets into the media and says um, last week about 30 uh, intellectual people signed a letter to Ol uh, Olaf Scholz and um, asked him not to deliver heavy weapons uh, to Ukraine because they are afraid of nuclear war. And Olaf Scholz came to the media and said exactly that, that we, we the German people, are afraid that we start a nuclear war. So when the, the, the uh, highest boss on the country says that on television, of course, there, there's a lot of people that li listen to that. And, um, yeah, that, that, that's a problem here in Germany. No, no, I get that, I get that. But what, the, what annoys me about that is... Um, when Olaf Scholz says this, well, where, what would Olaf Scholz say or do if everything went peak tong and everyone turned around to Germany and said, sorry, we're not helping you because you took that decision with, with Ukraine where you all thought that Putin was going to drop a bomb. So you refused to help him. If we all took that mentality, we would be fucked. And I'm sorry for the, for the French, right? But if we all took that mentality that, oh, we can't help Ukraine because we're scared that Putin might do something, there's no point in the EU, there's no point in NATO, and there's no point in us supporting Ukraine. And that is what's co totally counterproductive with all of this. When we have idiots like Schultz coming out and saying things like this, oh, uh, so I had so many letters of people worried about blah, blah, blah. Well, if that's the case, he needs to be replacing his job, and we need somebody who knows what they're doing, who has a set of balls and will do what needs to be done. Because if we all take the mentality like Mr. Schultz has, we are going to be screwed. We are. We're all going to be screwed and nobody's going to help anybody. And, and, and it's, it's, it's a very, very sad situation where some nations are helping and some others aren't because they're worried about what Putin might do. But when Putin does something, what the fuck are you going to do then? Sit on your hands and be like, oh, sorry, we were that scared to do anything when we could have done something. Now, we're, now we've left it to go too far. There's nothing we can do. It is completely bad. Awesome. 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 No, awesome. seconds. I'm not, I'm not having a go at anybody. I'm just saying in general with the whole politics thing. It's, it, it, it's crazy, man. It's crazy. And everyone needs to be singing off the same hymn sheet. All right, let's, uh, let's go the requests we have a number of people with their hands raised and a number of people requesting so those who are requesting please stay put we'll answer some questions and move on so do you have the the order mccullough or olsen yes so i believe it was uh johnny and then it was uh, peace for ukraine and then we're gonna go that is uh, lee and marek and then julia thank you yeah, just just in top, just response to Osin's again. Certainly, very very bullish attitude towards that, which is good to hear. But the first thing that came to my head was, well, if if you're that well, not you, well, yeah, okay. So if you're that sure that there's no risk of of, of a nuclear war, then why are we still tiddling around the edges, just providing arms? Why are we not more involved if that's not going to be a risk? 
I can start trying, you know, I can try to reply to your question. So um, obviously we know that there might be concern of the, you know, of the war and so on. And uh, and we should remember that Russians didn't use everything what they wish they could have used. So they they didn't widely, okay, use the chemical weapons. So we've seen some phosphorus bombings. Um, they are not banned by the conventions. So they were not widely used. That was the first thing. Secondly, we still haven't seen the mass bombardments, you know, the cover bombings as something similar to what happened in Second World War, like Dusseldorf and so on. So I assume West is still trying to play with that. But ultimately, and we shouldn't forget about this, the more war continues, the more there is time for European Union to adjust their economies, um, you know, to the scarcity of the oil and gas. And that's why the ultimately European Union is balancing between those two things. They're trying to adjust to the, you know, to the price hikes and everything what's going on in the market and establish different routes how to get new oil and gas and prepare for certain changes and how the companies work. Um, and that is why, you know, they they do not supply everything what they wish to. But as we can see, as the war continues to unfold, uh, the more and more weaponry from European Union, um, you know, Ukraine receives. So in this sense, I guess they're just they're trying to balance those two things. The first risk is being completely cut out of uh, oil and gas. And that's what we've seen um, with Poland. And I believe it was Bulgaria. Those two countries um, at one day, they just you know, they stopped receiving any gas and oil. And that's why European Union is now dealing with Russia regarding this, because those two countries refuse to pay in uh, rebels. Um, and that is why they're probably trying to balance this risk. So we, I don't think we are talking about the nuclear threat at the moment. We are mostly talking about European Union uh, preparing and adjusting their economies uh, to what is happening now. And that's why they're gradually giving the weapons. And also, we shouldn't forget that we had a huge resistance uh, from European countries and uh, Ukraine had to lobby those interests, um, not only in Europe, but around the world. And it takes some time uh, to convince people to tell that, uh, look, the, what's happening in Ukraine is actually a genocide. And you have to admit this. So we need we need the help. Otherwise, you're going to be the next. So it, it's it's exactly what, you know, kind of you're telling about the nuclear threat. It's the next step, right? But we shouldn't forget that Ukraine was convincing everyone, guys, you're going to be next. Is he, Putin is not going to stop on Ukraine. He's going to go further. And that's why Eastern, um, you know, Eastern European countries like, you know, Poland and Baltic states and so on, it took some time to convince the Western European countries that the, unfortunately, this war will touch you as well. Um, and that is why I think it's too early to talk about the nuclear threat. And as I explained, it's about the balancing things. It's about preparing those economies um, to the scarcity of oil and gas. Um, thank you. Uh, Jenny, do you have a second question or I can go to the next speaker? No, that's fine. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so, peace for Ukraine, please. Thank you. Um, good morning, Walter. Hope all is well on your end. Uh, hi, Oisint. Um, I've been listening this uh, space for one week because I only discovered at that time. And I invite anyone who, who is uh, afraid or has friends or family that may be afraid of this nuclear BS that that uh, that Russia is trying to push down to to cause 
fear and try to force and calm down. Oh, Putin is menacing us with the bomb. No, nothing is going to happen. So last evening, there was a very good discussion, technical discussion, explanation. I don't know, Oisint, if you were present last evening, but I know that it was clearly explained from a, a military point of view, the different stages of, of in the eventuality that could happen and we are far from it russia is far from it and it will be in 